pretty close, but it isn't.
the time has come for the recommendation from the ordination council. If you were on the ordination council, would you please stand up? <laughs> and if we could get a representative from Palomina Southern Baptist Church, if they would stand up as well. David or Dave? All right, David, the ordination council from today has recommended Mike Stallcup for ordination at Palomina Southern Baptist Church. Do you accept this recommendation? They accept? All right, praise God. Let's go ahead and give a round of applause for Mike. As I was considering this, this topic of ordination and, and what God's Word has to say about ordination, I came across the concept of a man of God. We don't use that term very much anymore, do we? We don't say, oh, that's a man of God. Now, in the olden days, it used to be about more than just a preacher as a man of God. You wanted to be a man of God. And we know that Scripture tells us that he who aspires to the office of elder aspires for a good thing, desires a good thing. But man of God. So as I was studying uh, Timothy for our sermon series on membership, I ran across chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, um, and in, in particular, it talks about what is a man of God. So Mike, this whole message is geared to you to understand what is a man of God. And a man of God is someone who preaches the word. A man of God is someone who practices the word. And a man of God is someone who progresses in the word. And I get this from 1 Timothy. So if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the seat in front of you, um, or should be. If not, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4 with me. And this is a lot of text to cover in a 15 to 20 minute lesson or sermon. So we're going to move quick. So turn on your quick thinking right after dinner, and we're going to get going. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 starts with, now the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and the teachings of demons. That could sum up today, couldn't it? Some are following after their own itchy ears. And so the man of God needs to reject false teaching. We see that in verses 1 through 4. Uh, these people, they forbid marriage and demand abstinence from foods that God created to be received with gratitude. Verse 4 says, For everything created by God is good and nothing to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. The second thing that the man of God who preaches the word must do is he must cling to the truth. And we see this exemplified in 3 through 5. In verse 5 it says, Since it is sanctified by the word of God and by prayer, the things of this world that are good are sanctified or made holy by the word of God and prayer. So a man of God who preaches the word not only rejects false teaching, but he also clings to the truth. Mike, you must cling to the truth. And the only way we know what the truth is, is because God said it in his word. You must cling to the truth to be called a man of God. The third point underneath a man of God preaching the word we see is that he points to the word and he's being fed and feeding others. In verse 
3 and 4 and 5, we see that it is by the Word of God and by prayer. This is a process of daily, consistent intake of God's Word and prayer. It is so easy to burn out as a pastor. I don't know how many times we see on the news, this pastor or that pastor has fallen, has rejected the faith, or has run off with their secretary, or some thing has happened. It's because they are not clinging to the Word of God. They are not finding their hope and their value in His Word and through prayer. So when you depart, when you get distance between you and God, you are prone to fall. So if you would be, if you would be a man of God who preaches the Word, you got to be in the Word. This is simple. It's a simple but not simplistic solution. Be in the Word. In fact, I asked your church to encourage you to be in the Word. Give Mike time to prepare his sermons. Give him the resources to preach the Word. The second thing that a man of God does is he practices the Word. We see this in verses 7 through 12. In verse 7, it says, sorry, let me go back. Verse 6 says, If you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good slave of Christ Jesus, nourished by the words of faith and the good teaching that you have followed. But have nothing to do with pointless, silly myths. Rather, train yourself in godliness. The first thing the man of God who practices the word is they do is by avoiding pointless controversy. Mike, they're going to fight. The sheep fight. We, sh- we fight over the carpet color. We fight over what building project we're going to do. We fight over um, what we're going to have for potlucks. We're gonna, we're gonna, the, the, the congregation fights over everything. And not only that, you're going to have people who sneak into your congregation and desire to break it apart over silly things, don't they? So I'm asking the, the members of Palominas Baptist Church that are here, would you avoid silly controversies. Put yourself aside. Follow the example of Christ and die to yourself and your preferences. And Mike, avoid these pointless controversies. Be above it. Don't get in the mud. Because what do they say about people who get in the mud with the other people? You're going to be covered in mud. I had this, um, this old country guy in, in my unit in the military, and he used to say, boys, don't be going and playing with cow patties because you're going to have cow patty on your hands. What happens is you get caught up. So practice the word by training in godliness. Look at verse 8. It says, for the training of the body has limited benefit. And we all know as Baptists we like to eat. But godliness is beneficial in every way since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Have an eternal perspective. When you preach the word, you teach the word, you, you work for your congregation, have an eternal perspective. Because the things of the now like to be in charge, don't they? They are petty dictators. We need to look at what the next post on Facebook is. We don't want to miss out. Fear of missing out, FOM, is a new thing. Because people don't want to miss what's going to happen. But that's not what you're supposed to do. You need to point people to eternity. Jonathan Edwards says, I would like to have eternity tattooed on my eyeballs. That way he could see eternity always. 
Have an eternal perspective when you train in godliness. They say that the great purpose of life is the shaping of character by truth. I want to I impound that into our brain today. The great purpose of life is the shaping of character by truth. When Paul talks about the mystery of godliness, he's talking about the gospel. And he says this mystery, being godly, is only possible through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it looks like to have an eternal perspective. And the last thing is you strive for eternity. In your email, you have this thing, striving to serve. So I took that, modified it, and talked about striving for eternity. Because when we serve, what are we doing? We're having an eternal perspective. Laying yourself down today means tomorrow something else is going to happen. And it's not easy. It's not easy to be the one that gets the phone call to come clean the bathroom in the set after, after church, after you got done preaching a fire sermon, right? It's not easy to go and sit with someone who is dying of cancer who you don't really like very much. It's not easy. But guess what? Would you be a man of God, Mike? Then you need to practice the word and have an eternal perspective. The third thing we see is in 13 through 10. It says, a man of God must progress in the word. In verse 13, it says, until I come, give your attention to public reading, exhortation, and teaching. Don't neglect the gifts that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Mike, you need to progress in God's word. And that means you need to emphasize God's word. That needs to be the priority. That needs to be the staple. That needs to be the main thrust of who you are. In the, in the military, we like to talk about the tip of the spear, right? The furthest point of action where all the heat is. The Word of God needs to be the tip of your spear. That's what you need to talk to people with. Not with your own opinions. Not with clever sayings. Not with man's wisdom. But with God's wisdom. And in order to do that you got to progress in the Word. That means that you have to study longer and for more hours than anybody else in your congregation. That you have to spend the time, even when you're exhausted after a long day of dealing with difficult things and, and talking to the city about planning and, and building commissions and everything else that you have to do, you still have to progress in the Word. That needs to be your priority. That means reading God's Word. That means memorizing God's Word. These are not things that I take lightly. These are hard. And you know this more than me because you've been around a little bit longer than I have. So I feel silly emphasizing these things. But this is what God's Word says, not what I say. So a man of God progresses in the words by emphasizing God's Word and by using your gifts. Guess what, Mike? You can't do everything. There are some things you're not so good at. There are things that we all can't do so well. That's why you need to emphasize your gifts. What has God called you to do? Who are you in the economy of the church? What is your responsibility and role? That's what you need to focus on. And then you need to equip other people to do the things that you're not so good at. You may not be good at counseling. You can do some counseling, but you may not be so good at it. Bring someone along. We have wonderful wives who are better at a lot of things than us, don't we? 
you must use your gifts. And this, the next thing you need to do is devote yourself to Christ. Look at verse 15. It says practice these things. That doesn't mean just do it one time. We don't eat a meal once a year and call it good. We eat continually. So you must practice these things. And I love how it says it here, be committed to them so that your progress may be evident to all. You need to devote yourself to Christ. Your progress will only be evident to all if you are focused in on the word of the living God. The last thing I want to encourage you and charge you with is to examine yourself. Mike, you must spend time examining yourself. See where you fall short. And when we fall short, what do we do? We repent. We ask for forgiveness. And we pursue Christ. I'm going to tell you, I don't know how many mistakes I've made in just the last hour of my life. I can't trust in myself. But when I go to bed at night, I spend some time examining my heart. Was I rude to my wife? Was I short with my kids? Did I treat someone unkindly? And guess what? I don't have to live in guilt because I take it to the Lord and get forgiveness. And then I take it the next day and I deal with it accordingly. So Mike, if you would be a man of God, this roadmap for the faithful pastor, you must be a man of God who preaches the word. You must be a man of God who practices the word. You must be a man of God who progresses in the word. You cannot lead people where you have not been yourself. So Mike, are you ready to take the step of ordination? Palominas Baptist, are you ready to help Mike do what God has called him to do? So, Without much more further ado, we're going to bring Mike up, and he's going to share with us a brief message and a brief bit about himself. And when he is done, we will do the laying on of hands and the setting apart. Mike, let me bring this microphone over for you. Can you do it like this? Yeah. Okay. Ask a Ask a pastor, pastor if he can do something with a microphone. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, good evening, everyone. Y'all are a good-looking group. Jesse, I'm glad you made it, brother. Good to see you. Well, we, uh, we are here for a special time tonight, and it has absolutely nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with our Father. And I've just got a a few words here tonight that I want to share with you. But let's start this with a word of prayer. Father, we thank you and praise you for this opportunity to come into your house, to worship you, to, Father, be about your business tonight. And, Father, I praise you and thank you so much for these words of encouragement from Brother Matt. Thank you, Father, for all that are here representing various parts of our lives. Thank you for the support that you give each one of us. And Lord, I ask now that you empty me of self and fill me with you as I bring a few words. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, the, the title of this is Our Purpose. You know, uh, Arabian horses are trained 
in the Middle Eastern desert in a very specific way. They are trained to obey their master on every command. The way that this is done is they are taken through their training and their ultimate test is they are released after having gone without water for several days. And they take off towards this water that they are needing so desperately. And the true test of their obedience is just when they get to the water, their master blows a whistle. And if they stop and turn and come back to the master in obedience, then they have passed that perfect test. Because that master knows exactly the water that they need. He knows exactly what they are striving for. And He gives them everything that they need. This obedience, this perfectness, is exactly like us. Our Father has a purpose for us, and He wants us to be obedient to Him. Well, we're going to look in James. I took my favorite verse as well. You've already heard it, but James 1.22, it says, But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Have you ever wondered what our purpose is? Our purpose is singular, to bring glory to the Father. He has us here on this planet doing everything that we're doing in this time to bring Him glory and honor. Again, it has nothing to do with us. As we look into the Psalms, we look at Psalms 150, verse 6. The last verse of the Psalms. It says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's us. That's you and me. We are to bring praise unto the Father. And in Ephesians 1.4, He says, He chose us. That requires a second of pause. He chose us. We didn't choose Him. He chose us. And in Jeremiah 29.11, he says He knows the plans that He has for us. And they're great. They are wonderful. So if we're to praise God and are chosen and are part of a bigger plan, then how are we to carry this plan out? Well, i got a one-word answer for you, and it's obedience. Just like those Arabian horses. Obedient. Because... The perfectness of that is the answer. So why are we to be obedient? Well, because we're witnesses. If we turn to Acts chapter 5, verses 29 and 32, it says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. And verse 32 says, And when we are His witnesses to these things, 
And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Our Father is telling us why we need to be obedient. Because we're witnesses. The other reason for obedience is because it shows others. As we look into John chapter 17, verse 4. Well, of course, the little sticky falls out when you need it the most. There it is. It says, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. That was Jesus speaking to the Father. If Jesus is living that and saying that to the Father, He's testifying to others. This is why we are to be obedient. It also gives us power. If we go back to Psalms 62, verse 1, it says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. The power that we have by resting in our Lord is beyond measure. I think of peace. The peace that we get from that power. And this happened to be a piece of my sermon this morning. So Palominus, you're getting it twice. But the peace is like a river, a babbling brook. Think of the peace that we have in various things. To me, it's a nice babbling river. This peace that God blesses us with. His power binds and comforts us. And the greatest power we have, the greatest power we have is prayer. You know, Matt, you spoke about prayer. And this is, in my opinion, one of the most untapped weapons that we don't use is the power of prayer. It's our hotline to Him and His power. Specific prayers bring specific answers. The more we pray, the more we come into His will and the peace that He has called us to do. The power of obedience comes from our personal, close relationship with the Father. And that prayer is how we are grounded in that power. So now that we know the why, let's take a look at the when. When are we to be obedient? Keep about the work steadily, continually, and lovingly. We're all called to do this. But pastors, and that's several of you in this room, we have a specific calling in this nature. 1 Timothy 3, 2-7 to and Titus 1, 6-9, which my brother read for us, gives us those parameters. This is what God confirmed me. This is what He gave me. He said, Pastor, you are an example. And I heard confirmation of that from my brother in the charge. Have a responsibility to love, to train and equip the saints for the kingdom's work. We are chosen, 
called and given a specific, particular flock to lead. We do not need to forget that. God appoints the times and places for men to leave, to live, and that includes pastors and where we are called to shepherd the flock. And yes, brother, I already know they bite and all kinds of other stuff. <laughs> so, he is going to give us this special purpose because he has a plan. He has a plan for each and every one of us. And pastors, he has a specific one for us. Rest and seek comfort in him and in these truths because he is the Lord of all truth. And there are many kinds of sheep. I wrote down a few here. I wrote down the more pleasant ones. They are beautiful. They are all part of His creation. They all know His voice. We are to feed them all and exclude none. So, now that we know why and when, how? Well, y'all know me. I'm a pretty simple guy. What you see is what you get. And you mentioned simple earlier, brother. Simple, bite-sized pieces. Because when we bite off too much, it's hard to chew all that, isn't it? And sheep don't do so good with that sometimes. I don't do good with that sometimes. I'm just a sheep. So simple, bite-sized peaches. We need to stay in the trenches daily. The trenches are where the workers are. And those workers in those trenches, they tend to be the ones that recognize and need the Father a little bit easier than the supervisor up on the bank watching them down in the ditches. So we are to stay in the trenches with them. Simpler is also easier. It's just easier when you keep it simple. I got a little cup on my desk. It says, keep life simple. It's a nice little gentle reminder because sometimes I need simple reminders. It says, do all for His will because it gives us focus. Focus is that thing that helps keep us on His plan. Not ours, but His plan. We need to show His love. And y'all all know that little, that little uh, acronym, whatever you call that thing, KISS. Well, for me, it's keep it simple, stalk up. <laughs> you could also, anybody can say this, keep it simple, servant. So when we're keeping it simple, it is a blessing. He uses that to bless. Not only does it keep me on track, but it's a blessing. So, we know why, when, and how. Obedient doers is the key to everything. Great people are not great because of what they think, because of what they say, but because of what they do. James says, be doers of the word. Doers.
I like what Oswald Chambers said. He said, dreaming about a thing in order to do it properly is right. But dreaming about it when we should be doing it is wrong. We can think about all kinds of stuff, but we need to, like I've told my guys, we need to take a, a page out of Nike's book and just do it. Doing is obedience, and obedience is faith in action. James uses that word be. Be, the verb, I am, we are, it is, it was, they were. They were what? Doers of the word. Dr. Charles Stanley is a favorite of mine. And he says, be obedient and leave the consequences to him. Now he's talking about God, not Dr. Stanley. So. But it's real simple. All we've got to do is be obedient. That ain't hard. We make it hard. So, what has God given you to do to bring Him glory? The only reason that we haven't stepped out and taken care of it, acted upon it, is because of fear, confusion, opposition. Where do those things come from? They don't come from the Father. We know where they come from, and we need to put that rascal in his place and say, Satan, get thee behind me. We need to dust him off of our feet where he belongs, and like my brother just charged me a minute ago, stay obedient and leave the consequences to him. Thank you. All right, Mike, don't go too far. Okay. Have a seat right here. Now's the time for all ordained or men in ministry to come and uh, lay on hands for Mike. And we will pray uh, over him and for him and for his ministry. So if you would come forward. You pull it up there. You do what you want to do. So men, as you feel called, um, you can pray out loud, pray in private, but we're just going to place some hands on this guy. I know this is not COVID friendly. We're going to place some hands on him and we are going to um, pray over him. So if you want to pray out loud, as you feel led, all right?
All right, our closing hymn. Another one of uh, Mike's favorite songs. I'll fly away. You know, our days are numbered. Our years.